and as part of this ongoing series, um, the, the guys asked if I would do um, a kind of pause button kind of word on the importance of the Holy Spirit and the part that he has to play um, when it comes to the whole issue of shining brightly wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And so I've entitled this word, The Holy Spirit Enables Us to Shine. It took me about three weeks to come up with that particular title. Um, And I want to start by reading a very well-known verse. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, um, he said this in Acts chapter 1 and uh, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the age. This wonderful promise from Jesus that we would be witnesses, we would be testimonies, we would shine, if you like, when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And if you have been coming week by week and listening to some of the guys sharing different things about uh, this whole series of shining as lights in the workplace, in the family, in the college or university or wherever you live your normal kind of life, you would already be realizing this is quite a tough call. This is something that's even maybe beyond us. And here we have this wonderful moment tonight. If some of us are struggling, thinking, I'm not doing very well at work. I'm, I'm not re-. In fact, nobody really knows I'm even a Christian. Um, I, I've kept quite quiet about it. It's not something that's particularly dynamic in my life. That actually, here's some good news for you tonight. It's not down to you. It's not your responsibility, as it were, to try and make this thing happen. I can guarantee, if you listen to all the teaching, there's going to be some great things in the next few weeks as well, I'm sure. But every time you hear it, you'll just grit your teeth and you'll think, I don't know whether I can do this and I don't know whether I can fulfill that. And the danger is you will try to do it in your own strength and you will fail miserably. Isn't that good news? You, you just won't be able to do it because you've never been asked to do it. And so Jesus said to his disciples, a bit of a strange thing really, he said, go into all the world. And the next thing they heard was, wait. He said, well, you just told us to go. And now you're telling us to wait. Which, what, do you want us to go or do you want us to wait? And Jesus was saying to them, you're going to go into all the world. You're going to be the light of the world. You're going to shine like stars in this world. But wait for a moment because you're not going to be able to do that in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, so wait. And the fantastic thing is this, that after the day of Pentecost, when they waited, and the Spirit came upon them, no one else has been asked to wait ever since. Why is that? Because we are now living in an age of the Spirit. The Spirit has come. If you are a child of God, the Spirit has come to you, and He is now with you and has dwelt within you. You know, in the Old Testament, when anybody was called to do something, the Spirit came upon them and they did the, ta- they did the task that God had given them to do. There's very strange passages in the Old Testament. One guy is told to take up an ox bone and kill a thousand Philistines. I, I don't know how you kill a thousand Philistines with a rifle, let alone an ox bow. And it says the Spirit came upon him and gave him strength. And once he'd done what God had called him to do, the Spirit left him. The amazing thing for us this side of the cross after Jesus is that the Spirit doesn't just come upon you and then leave you. He comes upon you and stays with you. 
When Jesus was baptized in water, it says the dove, which was significant of the Holy Spirit, came upon him and remained with him. That was a radical statement. Every one of us who are now born again of the Spirit, the Spirit has come and he has come to remain within us. Why is that important? Well, because he doesn't just come on you on Sunday night and then leave you for the rest of the week. It's not about what happens in this meeting as far as the Holy Spirit's concerned. This is kind of an easy, safe place to be a Christian. It's what happens out there in the real world 24-7. And so the Bible encourages us, obviously, to walk by the Spirit and to live by the Spirit and to be being filled with the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. There's all these verses that keep encouraging us. If you want to shine, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be a witness, then it's not you and me trying hard. It's us learning how to be filled with the Holy Spirit who has come to remain. He is with you the moment this meeting finishes and we all go out the doors. He doesn't stay in here. He goes with you. Wherever you go, work tomorrow morning, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, in life, Family, leisure, daily pursuits. Jesus can shine through you because the Holy Spirit has come to make you his uh, witnesses. And so every time I'm in a situation outside of these, this building, outside of Christian meetings, where I find myself in a situation when I think, I can't do this. That is a wonderful place to be because it's at that moment of supposed weakness that you actually call out and say, Jesus, would you come and help me? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me and help me to do this? So I'm really grateful tonight. We've just got a bit of a pause button to remind ourselves that if we're going to shine brightly, then it's going to happen not through our efforts, but through the Spirit of God is upon us. And the good news for all of you tonight, if you're a child of God and you haven't got any Christians at work and you haven't got any friends, and most of the people in here don't live with you throughout the week, you have this Holy Spirit with you, this person, the Holy Spirit with you, who, in, who is going to enable you to do all these things and to become a reality. So I have an important question to ask. You don't have to answer it. In fact, I'm not going to allow you to answer it because I'm going to answer it in this sermon. Where is the Holy Spirit, therefore, most active? And it's an interesting question. Because as we'll see in a moment, I think lots of Christians think he's really active in church. By that I mean really active when Christians gather together. And of course he is active. My question is, is he more active when we gather? Or is he more active out there in life where most of us live? I believe the answer to that question is, obviously he's at work amongst us. But I hope you'll see tonight, he's even more at work when we leave this building rather than when we stay here. So my synopsis is that the Holy Spirit is a 24-7 person who's come to remain. And I want to just touch on three areas where I believe the Holy Spirit enables us to be effective. And the three areas are in words, in works, and in wonders. Can you say that after me, please? Go. Works. Words. Say it to the person next to you loudly. Well done. So if you remember nothing else tonight, 
you've got to remember words, works, and wonders. And these are three areas where the Holy Spirit will give you, will enable you to do things that will cause the light of Jesus to shine through you. The first is words. Jesus has given us words to say. And these words have the power to be like light that dawns in the darkness of people around us. We're good news people living in a world where there's not a lot of good news. And in the good news that we have to talk to people, we have words that can transform people. Words are just words, aren't they? I mean... There's nothing special about words. They're the way that we communicate to one another. I have lots of grandchildren, and every time I go back and see them, they're 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 very little, they're not teenagers. Every time I go back and see them, they're saying more words than the last time I saw them. Words communicate something, but there's nothing particularly special about them. They're just words. But the Bible's very clear that there are words that we speak, and when we speak these words, they become more than just words. There are certain words that can impact people. There are certain words that can change people's lives. There are words that you can speak that bring revelation to people that they didn't have beforehand. People who are living in darkness can hear you tell a story or say something that's like a shaft of light that comes into them. The Bible says, and this is all of us here in this room tonight, that before we knew Jesus, it was like there was a veil that was across our understanding. Just didn't understand things. You and I have got a message called the gospel. And when we speak some of the words of this gospel, it's like the veil over people's minds can be actually removed. Light shines in darkness. And there are words that we have got that are words that can bring that transformation. So the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And I want you to notice that little word, those two words, in it. So There are words in this message of the gospel that has the power to transform people's lives. That when I use those words, a revelation can come to people of their need of God or of how they can get to know God. So the first way tonight that we are called to, enabled by the Holy Spirit to make a difference and to shine, is to begin to use the words of the gospel as we share our lives with people. Now, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of Christians find this whole thing of talking to people about Jesus and about the gospel really, really difficult. Um, and, and, and if you've been around long enough, you'll just know that there are moments in conversations with people where you can see the opportunity for sharing the gospel coming about a mile away. And it gets closer and closer. And as it's getting closer and closer, funny things happen to Christians. They, a metamorphosis begins to happen. And Bible verses come flying through their minds. And how am I going to share this? How? And by the time it comes to sharing, you're such a mess, the opportunity goes. Good news for us as Christians is there's another one coming, another opportunity coming around the corner. I just think we've got to calm down a bit. I think we've got to just be who we are. I think we've got to be realizing that 
Sometimes we have conversations with people that are effective and sometimes they're not and sometimes we get disappointed because it didn't go in the way we wanted to go. But we've just got to be calmed down. We've just got to be normal and natural. You're not going to be effective to a non-Christian friend if every time you get to talk anything close to Jesus, you go weird. We're not supposed to go weird. We're supposed to be <clears throat> just who we are. And if we're building a relationship with colleagues at work or people at uni, etc., etc., and they've got to know you, they know you're not really that weird. And so when you come to those moments for gospel declaration, <clears throat> it will have an ease about it. And um, my encouragement is this, that in these conversations that hopefully become more and more natural, natural to us, when we start to say words of this gospel like, there is a God in heaven. I believe in God and I believe he's a God of love and I believe he loves you. Or we talk about forgiveness or we talk about the cross or we talk about the way in which we believe in a living God who you can have a relationship with. Or better still, even talking to people about who Jesus really is. Because a lot of people don't know who he is. And that's part of the problem. So we can get into conversations. Do you know, this is who I think Jesus really is. And we can get into that. Listen, every time you start using certain words connected to the gospel, something potentially dramatic can happen to the person that you're speaking to. And this is what I've learned for what it's worth over many years in conversations I've had with people that don't know Jesus. That sometimes I'm having a conversation with them and I don't think the conversation's going very well at all. In fact, I've had conversations with intellectual atheists and things and I, I kind of like to think I know a few, a few things. And then during the conversation, they look so intelligent and I look so dumb and I oft, I've come away from conversations saying to the Lord, Lord, don't you ever let me get into a conversation like that ever again. Because beforehand I look quite bright and now I look really stupid. It took me ages to realize in these conversations with people, there are words that I use that when I walk away from the conversation, not sure that went very well, the Holy Spirit waters the words, the seeds, of the words that I have spoken. Because the Holy, I don't even know this, the Holy Spirit was working on you a lot longer than you realized before you became a Christian. And there's this wonderful thing that Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So when I'm talking to somebody and I say a few words and walk away from it, Something carries on. I kind of realized eventually, after all these dumb conversations I was having, I sleep really well at night when I go to bed. But these people are troubled by some of the things that I said. I've even had people come back to me and say that to me. There's something you said about me and sin, and it didn't go away, and I can't stop thinking about it. I think, yes. This is the Holy Spirit working upon you and in you. I, um, I do have my hair cut from time to time, as you might notice, and um, I was in the hairdressers. I've been going to the same guy for the last year and a half, two years. Really nice guy, and he is a, um, a, 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 he is a Muslim, but not practicing. 
He's Turkish. He's a nice guy. Most hairdressers around the whole of southeast London come from Turkey. You'll notice that if you go and talk to them. That's not the ladies. That's the men, okay? And um, he knows what I do for a living because we've chatted about it. He can't relate to it. He has no relationship whatsoever to Christianity or church or anything. We're like two people for about 25 minutes who've come from different planets and have visited one another. And, um, uh, and yet he knows lots about you. He know, he's intrigued a little bit. He knows about new community. He can't work it out that we're a church that's growing and there's lots of young people in it. He finds that quite intriguing. And then about two months ago, he just said this to me. He said, so how did you get into this stuff in the first place? Interesting question. So I told him, I said to him, I, I was brought up in a Christian home, but it was kind of very religious and I really didn't like religion. And he was kind of nodding as I was talking. I thought, this is really going well. And it's kind of, I, I stayed there because, you know, it's just religion. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change your life. We're chatting about that. And then I said, but then there came a day when I met Jesus. And it was like a bomb had gone off in the hairdressers the moment I said, Jesus. So I don't think we'd said that before, you see. And, and, and I don't know whether the bomb, because you could feel it in the atmosphere, you could feel the bomb went off because he'd never, ever heard anybody talk about you can know Jesus. Because prophets are dead, right? You don't have a living relationship uh, with Muhammad because it's, he's dead. And I'm talking about this Jesus who is alive. Uh, the, the, the rest of the haircut went really quickly after this. In fact, at one point, he was coming with me with his scissors, and I thought, this could be the end. And, then, and, it, and it's a weird conversation, because his final thing was, so did you get paid much then? How did you get from, I met Jesus, to did you get paid much? But all I know is in that moment, something's triggered. And it's just maybe that he's for the first time met a guy who said to him, you can meet Jesus. It's simple. It's not complicated. And if we're going to shine, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will help us, enable us, is in the words that we speak. So my encouragement to you tonight is, be cool, have good conversations with people, be real, be authentic, be yourself. But look for moments when certain words are said. And you will feel foolish when you say these words. And do you know why? Because the Bible, it says, says, the cross is foolishness to people. We have to overcome the sense of being foolish or being laughed at or ridiculed <clears throat> because actually these words that you've just said really have the power to change people's lives. Most of us are here tonight because we heard something. Most of us are here tonight because someone spoke to us about something. And so it worked for us, it can work for others too. Okay, the second thing is this. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can help us to shine through works. And works are like the outworking of the words that we use. So if I say to somebody, God is a God of love, that's just a phrase. But if they see the love of God manifest through my life or through our life as a community, then people will start to take note and will actually begin to sit up and realize 
that God isn't just the God of love, but he is the God of love in reality. So let me just touch on very quickly two or three things connected to this. The first is the love of God needs to be expressed. So works are when the Holy Spirit enables you to express the compassion that's already in you that Jesus has put within you. So we come to this well-known phrase, Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God who is in heaven. People will see the good deeds or the good works we do, not for us to get glory, but because it's a natural expression of the love of God and the mercy of God within us that then begins to impact people accordingly. And this verse says, and they will say, we're going to give glory to God because you're not doing this in your own strength. You're doing it because of another motivation that's already there. And so we have this opportunity to begin to demonstrate the gospel and not just to proclaim the gospel. I don't want to live, I feel a bit preachy at the moment, I don't want to live the rest of my life in a country where we just preach at people. I want to preach the gospel. It's important that we find ways to do that. But I want to be in in a country where the church demonstrates the gospel, not just through the words that we say, but through the way that we live. And so that we are constantly finding ways to build bridges into society whereby we can express the love of God and the mercy of God. Two weeks ago, Theresa May, she's the Prime Minister of this country, in case you didn't know. So I met a lot of people in America who had never heard of her just a few weeks ago. Um, And I said, we've heard of your president, but we won't go there. (laughs) And um, so, so a couple of weeks ago, Theresa May gathered... Uh, at 10 Downing Street, Christians who are making an impact, churches, representing churches who are impacting society. And she wanted to gather them to say thank you for all that you were doing because she knows, like a lot of other people, that churches up and down this country are not just preaching the gospel but are demonstrating a thousand one different ways. And the people that were invited to that gathering were people that I know, some of you will know them. Steve Clifford, who was here a few weeks ago with us, he was one of them. And it's just fascinating to know that this nation is beginning to recognize that Christians are people who are demonstrating God's love. And I want to see that combination come more and more because it's going to give us great opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. And then I think when Jesus said, let your light shine before all men, he was probably also talking about community. Because when... People see Christians who love one another, share their possessions together, meet one another's needs. It was said of the early church, there were no needy people amongst them. That really speaks to people. It's kind of like we're living in a world right now, you're living, I'm living in a society, where isolation and lack of community is just the norm. That The loneliness around us is, is remarkable. And then when you come across people, who are like a community, who demonstrate God's love, not only that, a diverse community like we've got this evening. It really, really impacts people. And and I long for us as a church to find ways to demonstrate this love so that people who are completely unchurched and never heard about Jesus 
can see us and see what we do with one another and go, my goodness, what is it about you people? There is something attractive. There's something magnetic. There's something here that I want to know. The final thing I want to say about these works, so it's, it's, it's love expressed through good deeds. It's being community <clears throat> and letting people see that love for one another. And the third thing is character. When Jesus said, let your good deeds, he was really saying, let your character be seen amongst people that you work with. So that in the workplace or in my family where there are lots of non-Christians or or, or in my street where I've got contacts with people, but there doesn't seem to be many Christians, or wherever it is that we live most of our lives. Jesus said this, it is by their fruit that you will know them. And one of the great ways that the Holy Spirit enables you and me to shine 24-7 is through the fruit of the Spirit. So I just heard a testimony tonight about a policeman. And one of the things that Barney said was, I'm not sure I always say much, but I'm praying that people will see something different about me through the way that I live. 100% right. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's what we are as people and how we react to situations and how we handle those around us that actually makes the real difference. <clears throat> In fact, sometimes you can come across a Christian who says an awful lot, but doesn't live the same way as he talks. That's bad news. The good news is living it out step by step. So we know this verse, a lot of us, Galatians 5.22. And I'm, you've got to think while I'm just talking next, next two minutes about your work environment or your family environment to see how you're getting on. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Real love. 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. Love that is is not a love that the world has. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so in the workplace, and I'm not talking about being lovey-dovey, talking about a genuine love, a compassion, is there on display in the workplace. Joy. We're living... Our nation's not the most joyful nation in the world. Have you noticed that? It really, really, really isn't. And yet you are a Christian in the workplace... And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, which means there could possibly be some, something joyful about you that's not dependent on drugs and alcohol or parties or endlessly spending money, but is a much deeper joy than that. It's not a joy that's dependent on circumstances, but a joy that's there even when circumstances are really not very good. And then peace. Some of you are in work situations right now which are not very peaceful. Some of us are in situations where there's a lot of anxiety around us. Guess what? You're going to make a difference, not just by saying lots of things, but by just being there and be flooded with peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> so if you're getting filled with the Spirit, these are the kind of things that begin to happen. So keep thinking about your workplace or your uni or wherever you work. I'm looking around the room. There's quite a lot of diversity here and different things you're involved in. I don't know if I want to go on for the rest of the verse, but I'm going to go on anyway. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I mean, these are deep words. It's not a lot of faithfulness around. Loyalty and covenant doesn't really exist very much. But that's you. 
you know, I don't agree with everything she believes. This is interesting. I don't, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe everything she believes. I don't believe in God. But the one thing I know about that person is they're a Christian. And they're always faithful. They're always peaceful. There's something reliable about them. They turn up on time. They work hard. There's something really attractive about them. Gentleness. Self-control. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, oh dear, this is a disaster. I'm thinking of where I am with all my mates. I'm not sure many of them think of me as someone who has self-control and patience and joy. Here's the good news. Be filled with the Spirit. Because at the end of the day, when you're being filled with the Spirit, these are the fruits of the Spirit that will happen in your life. And you will stand out from the crowd when you start to be like this. Very quickly, one other verse of Scripture in this context, Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why are some of you smiling at me? Uh, your translation may have do all things without grumbling or complaining. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And if you follow that verse carefully, and it ends as shining as lights in the world, which is what we all want to do. The logical progression is the beginning of the verse. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. We live in a world where everyone grumbles and complains and moans and whines all the time. Seems to me that if Christians just stopped doing that, you'd shine. In the darkness of it all, there's something different about you. So if you carry on at work and everyone's complaining and grumbling and moaning, no one's saying this is easy, by the way, but if everyone's doing it and you just join in, guess what? The light's gone out. You're no different from anybody else. But if you will stop complaining and stop grumbling and stop kind of just moaning about things, something's going to change. A difference is going to come as a result of it and will impact those amongst us. Finally, one third, third and final way that we shine through the enabling of the Holy Spirit is through wonders. And wonders are supernatural activity that becomes very natural in my daily life and conversation with people. It speaks about wonders. The Bible often talks about signs and wonders. I use the word wonders because it started with W and it fitted in with all the others. The reality is it's the display of the supernatural. And if the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go and wherever we are, the potential for the supernatural through you is right there wherever you are and whoever you're with. So here, we're landing this sermon, is one of the biggest mistakes this church has ever made. That's got your attention. And probably one of the biggest mature mistakes the evangelical charismatic world has made. And that is this, that we have limited primarily the activity of the supernatural to our meetings. And we've limited the activity of the supernatural to what goes in a, on in a building and what goes on as we meet together as Christians. And it's a massive mistake because if the Holy Spirit is with me wherever I go 24-7, 
then the potential for me to pray for people that they might be healed from physical disease or set free from captivity or that I might have the opportunity to pray for people outside of this meeting and they might meet and encounter the living God. All that is, that is just normal Christianity. Why, oh why, have we tended to limit the activity of the Spirit to Christian gatherings when actually the burden of the Holy Spirit is to go beyond these meetings and to reach normal people out there in society? And you'll begin to shine as lights when you begin to realize that when that friend at school says, I've got this sickness, <coughs> the doctors can't do anything about it, <coughs> that you take the courage and say, well, I'm a Christian, do you mind if I pray for you? Now, most people, when you say that to them, they think you're going to go to your church and ask a prayer from someone somewhere. And then <laughs> I've been in situations like this, so I've just re reached out, put my hand on the person, and it's like, ah, I didn't expect you to do it now. Who are you? Well, you just asked me to pray for you, so here goes. And then the great joy of knowing the Spirit of God starting to come and work on that person's life. And so we've got to make a massive shift in our thinking, folks. If we're going to shine like lights, you're not going to shine through signs and wonders just in our church meetings. But really more and more when we get out there into the world around about us. Jesus sat by a woman at a well and broke every rule that there was. He wasn't supposed to speak to a woman. She was a Samaritan. That's even worse. And he's sitting by a well and they start a conversation and he starts moving in words of knowledge. No, the husband you've got is not your husband. In fact, you've had other husbands and it's just like unbelievable revelation. She goes to her friends and said, I've just met a man who knows everything about me and they came and met him and they inqu inquired of him too and the whole village gets saved. And then Jesus heals people and sets people free in all kinds of situations, always publicly, always out in the open. He doesn't do it in the he tries to do it in the synagogue and they don't like it, so we go outside then. And the crowd see people being miraculously healed and even raised from the dead. And then we get to the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God is poured out upon the early church, and it's just the same. 3,000 people get saved, everything's done in the open. You read through the book of Acts, wonders and miracles are performed to a watching world. Because wonders, signs and wonders point people to Jesus. That's why we need to move in the supernatural in the workplace. It's exciting. Because it points people to Jesus. <coughs> signs point people to different things. If you don't know where you are, you look at a sign and it tells you where to go. There are people in the world who need a sign to tell them there's a living God and that Jesus is risen from the dead. And one of those signs is when we, ordinary people like you and me, pray for people and miracles start to happen. It's like, wow, how did that happen? Well, that's Jesus. It's not me, it's him. <clears throat> and it's finding this very natural way of introducing people to a supernatural God by being ourselves and praying with people accordingly. Have you ever asked yourself the question, I do, if Jesus is alive, why don't we see more evidence? Why don't we see more people being miraculously healed? Why don't we see people being more, more people being delivered? I think the answer might be because we're doing it in the wrong place. 
And the more we get out into, if we start praying for people who are not Christians, we're going to start seeing more things happen than ever before. Because they're signs for people to come to find him and to come to know him. And we've internalized and even capitalized on the things of the Holy Spirit as blessings for Christians. But the Holy Spirit is missional. His desire is to go out and change society. And he's waiting for people like us to begin to obey him and do these things. Two verses and I'm finished. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is speaking to his <coughs> early disciples <coughs> and he speaks to them and he says, verse 7, and proclaim as you go, not as you stay, not in the synagogue, and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Every now and again, someone in your community has come to me over the years and said, I'm really bored in this church. There's nothing for me to do. It just isn't anything for me to do. I'm really bored. And I always go to this verse and I start to say, okay, sorry that you're bored. Let me, let me give you something you can get on with while you're still bored. Go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And when you've done all of that, come back and have another conversation with me. Because we're kind of looking for a job to do when Jesus says, come on, folks. Start to move in the power of the Spirit. You'll never be bored. Luke chapter 9 Verse 1, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And look at what it says, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And verse 6 says, and they departed and went to the through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Praying for the sick, ministering to people who are in captivity bringing God to people in life, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not just for Sunday morning meetings, but in conversations. You have words of knowledge and words of wisdom and gifts of healing and gifts of faith operating in you <clears throat> when we're in conversations with people. It's a truly wonderful thing that will cause us to really shine. And the really, really good news is this. This is not for one or two people. This is not for Christian celebrities. This is not for one or two people. Oh, look, they can move in power. This is for normal people like you and me. And the day of the big celebrity is over because this is about the body of Christ. This is about every one of us that gets to do the stuff. This is about all of us who, in the name of Jesus, can see the supernatural power of God working through our lives for his glory. Folks, Jesus wants us to shine in a world of darkness. And through the words that we speak, and through the works that we do, and through the wonders that he longs to perform through ordinary people like us to glorify Jesus, we will shine, not through our own strength, but through the enabling of the Holy Spirit.